Hey, good morning. Hey, if you are here in the room or you're joining us um, online, we're really glad that all of you are worshiping with us today. We are um, just finished a series in Colossians. We're starting a series in Proverbs. I'm Charlie. By the way, I'm the lead pastor here. Really, again, we're glad you're all here. Um, I have a question. If if it's going to maybe sound controversial, I don't know. I have a question for you. So, if you heard something was going on in the world, some some big event either politically or internationally, and you thought to yourself, I need to find a website, a news source, a television station, something. I need to find a site that I know for certain will tell me exactly what happened with, with no spin, no fluff, no slant, just straightforward will tell you what's going on. I don't necessarily want you to answer that question out loud. I, just, I, just, I, just, I, I wonder where you would go because here's the thing. For every one of your answers that you would give, well, I mean, I, it's not really, that's really not hard at all. It's, blah, blah, blah. it's a website you go to, it's a website, it's, it's this website, it's this news channel, this news channel, no spin, they just tell you exactly, they just tell straightforward, no bias, no bias, this one. For every answer you would give, there would be uh, 25, 30 people in the room, like, you're the biggest idiot in the, in the whole room right now. What do you mean? What do you mean? I mean, like, that, that, that is one of the most biased sources ever. You actually need to go here, and then a different 25 to 30 people, what are you talking about? Well, you're, you're, you're the idiot. What do you even? Because here's the thing that has happened, is that over the course of the last several years, we've gotten to the point to where there are so many different uh, sites, so many different channels, so many different ways to consume news and politics, that it has become, it's become very compartmentalized where everything kind of has its own little target audience and its own slant. And what can happen is, is that you can go through an entire day, you can be one of the most well-informed people in the world and know everything that is going on um, in the world, in, your, in, in the country, with politics or whatever, and never once read, listen, hear, encounter anything that legitimately challenges your worldview. You just, you just can't. You can isolate yourself from anything that says, well, you know, actually, I don't think that's right. Actually, that way, that approach is wrong. That, that, that would never work. That is, that is misguided. That is incomplete. Actually, you need to think about it this way. We can protect ourselves. And we do it in the name of kind of what you're saying, well, I'm just going to go to the, to, to, the, to the unbiased, straightforward news. And what we mean by that is I'm going to go to the sites and to the channels and to the commentators who will tell me what it is that I already believe. The thing that I already think. And we have lost the art, really, of, have, of, of uh, the ability, the skill, I think the essential thing of being able to interact with people who just see the world differently than you do. Where do you go then? Where do you go? It's like, man, I'm just going to hear, I'm, I'm, I'm going to hear the truth about, about the way things are. It's like, well, I'm, I'm gonna go to, I, go to, I go to church for that. I go to church. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, and this is a guy who obviously, obviously believes in church. I think it's a good place to go. I'm glad you're all here. But that's not what church is anymore, if it ever was. Again, it is, it, is, it, is, it is a group of people who get together and, and, and churches have become the same thing. These kind of fancy little, these little insular boxes of all people who think the same. We think the same about 
everything, not just simply what God says in his word, but about the world, about the country, politics, everything. And we come here together to congratulate each other on being so right about everything and to condemn how wrong all of the thems are out there. If we take it to another place, so I think of this kind of these big picture global issues, where do you go to be told, hey, you know what, you're not doing life right. You know, if you th- examining, just kind of watching your marriage, you really don't seem to be a very good spouse. And don't, don't, don't even get me started on your kids. I mean, look at them. Look at them. They're just, they're just, they're just crazy. You're not a very good parent. And you know, you're, you're, you're really not a very good money manager either. In fact, the whole way that you live your life is kind of completely unbalanced and out of control. Like, where, where are you going to hear that? Who are the people in your life that, 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 that would speak that into you? Like, can you imagine, like, this is your friend? Yeah, like you're meeting with your friends, like, hey, man, I've been, I've been thinking about you, and I was noticing, man, your, your marriage is terrible. You, like, now you're not very good, and your kids are out of control, and you kind of waste money like an idiot. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, like that's not, these are not the friends we want, even if they do it in the, in the kindest, gentlest way. We want news sources that confirm our worldview, and I want people around me that will at least all agree that we're not going to talk about how broken we are. And so what happens is, is that we are living lives and we, we are doing everything we can to kind of protect ourselves from having anyone come into us and say, and that's broken, that's wrong, that's not good thinking, that's not practical, you shouldn't do that. And again, we would hope that, that, the, that, that, that the church could be this. But again, can you imagine? Like, like, like you're, 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 a, you're a brand new visitor to the church. You walk into the church that Sunday, it's like, man, I'm gonna, we're going to talk today about how bad you are at life. No. No, no thank you. That is not, that is not what we want. And so we find ourselves very often very stuck. We find ourselves very stuck in life because we, 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 we have all of these defense mechanisms that are keeping us and protecting us from really encountering and really thinking about ways that I need to get better, ways that I need to do better, ways I could improve in my life, in my thinking, in my family, in my relationships, with my money, with, with my own uh, with my job, with my work ethic, with anything. Like, I just, I just want, I, w- I want to be right and I want to be okay and I'm going to do everything I can to convince myself or at a minimum convince you that that's how it is. And from that, in that, enters the book of Proverbs. The book of Proverbs, I don't know if you've, if you've ever read it, I don't know if you've ever encountered it, if you've ever done like a Bible reading plan, Probably your Bible reading plan has a little bit from the Old Testament, a little bit from the New Testament, one psalm and like two random verses from Proverbs. Right? And they always and, and it just kinda just kinda pop out. But like but this book of Proverbs enters in essentially as as an opportunity. Here is how we all need to get better. 
And for us to understand the book of Proverbs, there's a few things that we're just going to have to understand. And the first one is, what is a proverb anyway? Now, if we weren't here in Bible land right now, we were just hanging out somewhere, and I said, hey, do you know what a proverb is? You probably would say yes, so you would have a good definition for it. But now it's in Bible, say, so what is a proverb? Go, oh, it's a very, I'm sure it's a very Bible definition for it. But I, think, but I think we all know what a proverb is. Like a proverb, we'll, just, we'll say it this way. It's like a little short, pithy statement that's generally true. The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. That, that, that's a proverb. Apple a day keeps the doctor away. Like these, these, these general statements, these, they're, 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 kind of, they're kind of said in kind of this, a quippy way, and they kind of have a general truth or a general principle to them. You know, they're not, they're not always 100% true all the time, but they are like pretty wise and kind of a good thing for you to think about. Like, again, like the, the grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. I mean, the general truth of that is way too often we're looking out there thinking things are going to be better when actually things are probably pretty good here and it's not as good over there as you think it is, right? That's generally, that's really good advice. Too many people are thinking about how other people have it better when really you don't know what's really going on there and you're not thinking about what it is that I have. That's a good general truth. Is it always true? Nah. Because sometimes you look over on the other side of the fence and it's like, that lawn is dead. I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. And sometimes, like, I'll point at people, and then sometimes, like, you know what you're saying is really bad, and I point at nobody over here. Like, that lawn is dead. Not, not you, just, just them. Somebody else, right? The lawn is dead. Like, you know, I don't want anything to, to do with that. And sometimes you look around, and that, that, that grass is greener, that grass is greener, and that grass is greener, and you look at your own life, and you're like, it actually is true. It actually is. My lawn is the lawn that is dead. And it is an opportunity for you to be like, hey, I look around me and people seem to have this more figured out than I do. But again, generally speaking, that is a great principle. Now, here's the problem. I've just described a book of the Bible as Proverbs and then said that Proverbs has in it principles that are generally true. And wait. We believe in the Bible, and it's absolutely true. We, have, we believe in a Bible that is, that is just true. So how can the Bible have things in it that are only generally true? Well, it's okay. And so, here, so one, that is a very good question. It is a deep question, and one we don't necessarily have a whole lot of time. I'll, I'll answer it here just a little bit. But first, a commercial, a commercial break. Starting this Wednesday, we are dropping podcasts that are actually going to be kind of supplemental learnings for some of the issues that get addressed in sermons or in other ways that can kind of help us understand things a little bit better. So I encourage you, um, we'll be launching that on Wednesday, I encourage you to find that. We kind of talk about some of the more challenging aspects of studying and understanding Proverbs about this being one of them. But I think the best way for us to think about it is the principle that God is communicating to us in Scripture, it's true. But the promise that comes with it is only generally true. And I'll give an example. One of the ones in Scripture is you, you train up a child in the way that, that, that he or she will go, and when they're older, they won't depart from it. So if you're a good parent, parent well and teach them the right path, when they're old, they'll stay on that path. That's generally true, right? 
Good parents produce good kids that become good adults. That is generally true. But it is possible to be a good parent and have a kid who makes his own decisions, who ultimately goes on a different path when they're adults. That can happen. But the principle is, man, you need to be a good parent and train and direct them in the way that they should go. Help them understand. And generally speaking, the result of that will be positive. And, and that's okay. And that is okay. It is known that that's kind of the way that these scriptures are. There's other ones like God will, God will always bless the righteous and the wicked will never prosper. And the wicked don't prosper. Like, oh, I mean, I see some prospering out there. I mean, the wicked, I mean, the wicked prosper sometimes. And sometimes the righteous aren't blessed in the way that we think that they should be. But generally speaking, you follow God's path and there's blessing. You go against God and there's going to be problems. That is generally true. Now there are promises of God other places, but this is general life advice. And I think it's important for us to understand that. So, um, let's just kind of dive into this, this first part of chapter 1 because it kind of gives us an intro to what the author here is doing and help us understand how best to use it. Proverbs chapter 1, uh, verses 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So we jump into this right at the very first. We get introduced to who the author is, a guy named Solomon. Make sure we all know who Solomon is. He was the third king of Israel. The first king of Israel is a guy named Saul. And he disobeyed God in some very significant ways and ultimately got cut off from God. It's like, hey, you're not going to get to be king for much longer. And ultimately, we're not going to let the kingdom pass to your kids. I'm going to anoint a different king altogether. And the next king that God appoints is a guy named David. You might be familiar with him, the David and Goliath story. Uh, he was the second king of Israel. He wrote mo much of the book of Psalms. He was the second king. And one of his sons is a guy named Solomon who became the third king of Israel. And he wrote Song of Solomon, he wrote Ecclesiastes, and he wrote a, a significant portion of the book of Proverbs. And there's a story that happens where God comes to him when he first becomes king, and it says, I will grant you anything. And Solomon, rather than asking for power and money, says, God, give me wisdom. And he's described then, then as God does this and blesses him and becomes one of the wisest people that has ever lived. That he is full of God's wisdom. The challenge with this, and again, commercial break, we're going to address this more fully in one of our podcasts that's going to come out next week. Um, the problem is, is that Solomon's life does not match the wisdom that he supposedly has. He, has, um, he makes a lot of bad decisions in his, in his, with his wife, with his wives, which was a bad decision, with, um, his, with his kids, and ultimately... The kingdom is split apart after his death, could not pass it on even one generation. So we got this guy who's full of wisdom, theoretically, but yet lived a life that does not seem to be full of wisdom. And sometimes I think it's important to ask those kinds of questions. What do, what do we do with that? And again, there's a fuller answer that you can discover and, and glad to share with you, but simply we'll just say this. 
Um, one, God uses imperfect people. Always has, cover to cover. If we examine the lives and the histories of the people that have written Scripture, the people who have done great things for God, they are, they are broken people. And that should be an encouragement to us, that we do not have to be perfect. But I would also add to it this. The Holy Spirit had not yet come and come inside and indwelled all the people who were followers of God. That is something that happens after Jesus. That is a promise that comes after Jesus. And I, what I would like to suggest is, is that the Holy Spirit being inside of you uh, gives you access to a greater amount of wisdom and discernment than the greatest, wisest person can do apart from the Holy Spirit. And I think that's an important principle too. But regardless, Solomon has some incredible wisdom here from God that's important, important for us to understand. But the second question after we, okay, kind of what is a proverb? I guess it's the third question. Who is Solomon? Next thing is talking, it's going to talk a lot about wisdom. The, the, the series is based on wisdom. we we'll see this word over and over again. I'll make sure we understand what wisdom is. We've got a good definition. Again, probably most of us would theoretically understand it, but we, we complicate things when come, we get into church that somehow there's some different definition. But it's a pretty simple definition. The soundness of an action or decision. Wisdom is doing the right thing, that I know, based on the information that I have, the experience that I have, I know what the right thing to do is in a particular situation. And there's this quippy thing that's out there as people try to explain the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Like, knowledge is just something that you know. People's like, did you know? Did you know that tomato was a fruit? You know, biologically, tomatoes are fruit. Like, oh, I didn't know that. So that's knowledge. And they say that wisdom is knowing better than to put it in a fruit salad. Right? He's like, you don't want it in your fruit salad. Just because it's biologically a fruit, you don't want it. So that's, that's wisdom. Knowledge is knowing things, and wisdom is knowing what to do with the things that you know. And being able in any given situation to understand what the right, the most prudent, the best, the most strategic, the most helpful, the most beneficial, what is the, what is the right thing to do? And so this entire book is dedicated to you in very practical circumstances of your life, helping you understand what the right path is. What is God's path? What is the path that is most likely to lead you to the best success as God defines success? Now, there are times you can make the right decision and not prosper. But these, and, and again, that's what makes a proverb different than, a, than like a very strict promise from God. This is, these are the right decisions regardless of the outcome, but often you will get a great outcome from these decisions. And so this is a book full of wisdom. And then in throughout, throughout this passage we just looked at, he's kind of giving us some motivation and understanding of what it means for us to be people who are pursuing wisdom. And the first one is this, and it's the last thing that he says in verse 7, where he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. That real wisdom, practical living, wisdom begins with God. Wisdom begins with God. This is kind of where this whole thing starts out, that wisdom begins with God. And there's a phrase that he uses here that you're going to find all throughout Proverbs and you'll find it other places too, talking about the fear of the Lord. It's actually the fear of God, the fear of God that is the starting point for wisdom. Now there's two ways that this typically gets explained and they're both bad. 
And I will give you both of them, and then we will just, we'll just try to figure it out all on our own. The first one is that it is, that it's, it just, it, that is what it means, the fear of the Lord. And you, every one of you, should be terrified of God. God has a bat in one hand and a lightning bolt in the other. And if you step out of line, it's like, boom, zap. And, and, and God's going to get you. So whatever it is we say today, and whatever it is that God wants you to do, you better do it or God's going to hurt you. Let's pass the offering plate. Right? I mean, it, it is a, that, is, that is a motivator. It's like, God's going to get you. Do the right thing. And you better be scared of God. But we just spent a good portion going through Colossians saying that, man, that our relationship with God is not based on our works. It is based on a gracious gift from God. And God does not want us to be afraid of Him in that sense. And so he wants us to know that he loves us. And God, no matter what, God will forgive us. And so that is different than that version of fear. And so when people like their theology about grace and who God is, gets to someone, well, well, it can't be talking about fear. So this is how it was explained to me growing up. Just take out the word fear and put in the word respect. The res- respect God. Admire him. Appreciate him. Look at him and be like, whoo, that's God. That's impressive. And once I recognize that God is impressive and I respect him and I admire him, that's where wisdom begins. And so we just completely water this thing down. The problem is, when we're talking about things that are like written down, like if the author had wanted us to not fear God but respect him, you know what word he could have used? Anybody? Anybody? Respect. It's a perfectly good word. It's perfectly good words out there for admire and respect, appreciate. He chose, he chose fear. The fear of the Lord. It means something. Okay, so I'm about to use an illustration here to kind of explain what I think that it means. And can we pretend just for like two minutes that what I'm about to say is not controversial? Okay, can we just pretend like it's not? I'm just using these in the most simplest way. Do not overanalyze it, please. I beg you. I'm going on vacation on Wednesday. I don't need the email. Okay, right. Okay. So you think about your, the military in your country. Like, I'm not scared of them because I'm on their team. Like, but I admire and appreciate the power that they have and what they can do. And when I think about how powerful they are, it makes me think the last thing that I would want to be is on the other team. This, if, if I were to oppose them, it would be really bad for me. I am scared of that. The idea of being the enemy of the military is terrifying. And so I ask you, do you think it is a good idea to be God's enemy? Does the idea of being in opposition to God, does it frighten you? If the answer is, oh, not really. Do what I want. God's going to do what he wants. He doesn't really care. You should be a little more scared. You should be just a, little, just, a, just a little more scared. Because being in opposition to God, that's actually what Paul describes sinners as. Sinners as being God's enemies. We don't want to be the enemies of God. We don't want to be that God is opposing. I mean, there's verses that say God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Do you, are you afraid of being in opposition to God? I'm going to look at what God has to say and I'm going to do whatever I want anyway. He is a generous, loving, 
kind God, he is also powerful, infinitely wise, is repulsed by sin, and that should frighten you. It should, it, I mean, it, it, should, it, should, it should scare you straight, right? It's like, I, I don't, I don't want to go down the wrong path. I want to go down the right path because the idea of being down the wrong path and being in direct opposition to the God of the universe is scary. Okay? And so, I don't want us to water that down, but I also don't want us to walk away here with bad theology either. So he starts there. It's like, this begins with a healthy fear of who God is and what a life in opposition to God would look like. And so now I've got a heart that's open. I want to hear and apply whatever it is that this God has to say about my life. And then, another principle is, as he kind of introduces wisdom, he tells us who this is for. Verse 4, he says, In giving prudence, this is good for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, which, of course, this makes sense. It's really important. People who don't know things, who don't know, who aren't wise, who are simple, who are living an, a, a life where like, they think that their life doesn't matter, what I do doesn't matter, I can just do whatever I want. Simple people, young people who just don't have enough life experience, hey, here are some things that you can learn. You can learn it the easy way by reading it and applying it rather than experiencing it the bad way. And so here is for, for the simple, people who don't know, people who are young, but that's not all that he says. He says, let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. So even people who are wise, who are smart, who have, who have good life experience, who are generally living a good life, they need this wisdom that God has, because the reality is no one ever arrives and so we'll say it this way, wisdom begins with God, and everyone needs more wisdom. Everyone does. Everyone need, no, no one has figured it out. No one has gotten to the point where it's, well, I mean, I, mean, I guess I could read another marriage book, but I've already got the perfect marriage. I could, I could listen to this blog on parenting, but I've got perfect kids, and I guess any problems these kids have don't have anything to do with me anyway. Um, because I'm already the perfect parent. And I'm perfect at work. I have always make good decisions. I've never made one bad decision with my money. I've got it all figured out. No one is like that. Everyone needs to keep learning. And I think that, that there's too many of us that kind of get into this attitude. It's like, I've, 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 I've gotten there. I, I have it figured out. And, I, and I'll, give you, I'll give you this. This is, this is for me. Um, I've got, like I said, we're, we're, heading, we're heading to vacation and I've got a book downloaded. It's written by a Christian. And it's on, it's on marriage. And the way that I understand this book is that a very significant portion of what I have taught about how to have a good, healthy marriage, that a significant portion of that that I've been teaching for 20 years is completely and totally misguided. So when you hear that book comes out, and you're a public speaker, you're a pastor, and you've been teaching marriage this way for so many years, and you hear there's a book out that says, perhaps you've been wrong forever. Do you read that book or not? <laughs> I'll, I'll let you know how it goes. Maybe. And there's a book that I read several years ago on, um, on giving and money, God's perspective on money and God's perspective on generosity. A guy who really kind of pushed, pushed the limits of kind of what I thought. And, 
and had came at it from a completely different perspective and really helped me reshape some things about what the Bible says about what God, how God blesses us with money. And it's called The Blessed Life, and there's some things in there I didn't agree with, but you're not ever going to get better unless you're willing to let somebody who thinks something different than you get an opportunity to speak in. And so even at this stage that I'm at, and you know, as been a pastor for so long, I'm still striving to let God and to let other people speak into my life, to speak into what I understand, what 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 are the best what's the best path for me. And so ultimately for all of us we'll end with this. We need to listen, watch and learn. We all need to just be getting better. And we need to have an attitude, a heart, a mind, not just simply over these next few weeks as we are studying Proverbs, not just for the next years of your life when you come across Proverbs, but in every aspect of your life, are you trying to learn, to grow, to understand what the best path is for you, what the best decisions are, how to improve in every area of your life? Are you someone who's constantly asking God to give and help you understand more. We talked about this last week with Colossians, and we kind of talked about this path that God has us on, that it begins with a captivation and an embracing of this awesome person of Jesus and the gospel that he gives us. And then he saves us and gives us this new life, and then the Holy Spirit comes in and transforms us from the inside. And then we can do what God's called us to do. When we have an attitude and a heart that says, I want more wisdom. This is giving God's voice a louder voice in you so he can do that internal work. And then ultimately, I know what I'm supposed to do. One of the best decisions I ever made was a couple of years ago. When I made a decision to, to start seeing a counselor on a regular basis. For years, I thought this, and probably a lot of you have thought it too that it is that only crazy people go see counselors. Really, really broken people go see counselors. Not regular people like me. And let me tell you who should go to a counselor is anybody who wants life advice from somebody who sees the world just a little bit differently and can see blind spots and has professional training to be able to see things in your life that, that have always made sense to you and you would never question, but really are like, things that are really hurting you. There's things that I was doing that were hurting me. There were things that I were doing that were hurting my family. And I didn't even know it. And I needed, I needed to seek this out. And I'm telling you, from what you read, from what you listen to, from the people that you interact, your attitude when you go to God's Word, your ability to pursue and actively be a part of a small group, your heart and attitude when you come here on a Sunday morning, the friends that you have, in every area, we need to be people who are allowing God's voice to get loud and to be full of His wisdom, to be full of understanding, wisdom to be able to become the people that God has called us to be. And again, this is not, this is not a four or five week exercise as we work our way through Proverbs. Let's have an attitude that says, I want to learn more. I want to gain wisdom. But let us be a people that every day for the rest of our lives say, 
I want to pursue the wisdom, the plan, and the life that God has for me. Let's pray.